0: You're listening to The John Clark Cast. My name is John Clark, I'm your host. Today, I'm sitting down with a really unique guest, and that is my very own wedding photographer, Sean Cook. Um, I did not, I knew this would be great, I didn't know it would be this great. that Sean would share so much valuable stuff that would have um, such strong parallels to what we do as therapists in private practice. So I'm really happy with how this turned out. And um, Sean is just a wonderful person and a successful business person. So um, it was just really neat to have him on. This is an episode unlike any other. Let's dive in. Private practice can feel really hard, but I'm convinced that it doesn't have to be. Um, If you've been thinking for a while about reaching out to work with me, then now is the time to do it. Um, Just go to thejohnclark.com and click on work with me to apply. Again, thejohnclark.com and click on work with me to apply. All right, let's get into the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. I'm bringing on a very special guest today. Um, he is my wedding photographer. <laughs> how are you doing, John? How's, how's that for an introduction?
1: That was great. I was I was curious to see how you were going to introduce me, if there was uh, going to be some big buildup, or if you were going to say that I was your wedding photographer, <laughs> or just I brought on a small business owner.
0: You're just, I'd like to say you're just my wedding photographer, because I, I will say that even after the wedding, um, Kat and I did have this weird like jealousy thing. We saw you going off and shooting other weddings and we were like, oh, so he's, he's moved on.
1: He's moved on. Uh, That was quick. I thought maybe he would wait more than two weeks, but apparently not.
0: Or more than the next week and you were like off to some other (laughs) tropical land.
1: (laughs) That's so funny because I always think about that uh, because I developed this like intense connection with a couple for like a night or a weekend. And then like the next day when I get back to my office, I have to immediately email other clients about like, and now we have to make that connection next weekend. And I sort of have to move on. And it it, does, it, it hurts a little bit to move on.
0: Dude, I, f- I feel like you're, and this is part of why I wanted to have you on, 100 reasons, part of mm-hmm. one of 100 reasons why I wanted to have you on, is I feel like after after our wedding and working with you, you do so much more than just take photos.
1: <laughs>
0: and I don't uh, think we knew yeah. that. I don't think we knew what we were getting.
1: I'm curious what you mean when you say that.
0: <laughs> I could mean anything. That's a good therapist question. That's a good <laughs> well, clarifying I, question.
1: Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I went to school for psychology, and I studied to be a therapist.
0: It's not too late, man.
1: I know. I honestly, it's my it's my once weddings kind of uh, ruin my body. I will uh, <laughs> go into the the field that I went to school for.
0: For me, that's that's always been rock and roll playing in a rock band and touring around the world oh yeah that's my next that's my second career. oh that's your backup plan my after, pack, I mean,
1: after yeah. therapy just ruins your body you're like yeah. i guess i'll go tour for nine months
0: after therapy ruins my my mind and my ability to feel emotions no, i'm just kidding <laughs> the audience knows i'm kidding um what i mean is that like you i don't know you could develop this into like a tagline but you're like it's like therapy for your wedding I feel like yeah. it's part of the role that you played. Um, not that w- my wedding needed therapy or anything, but...
1: I mean, <laughs> we don't have to tell the audience about it, but every wedding has moments.
0: Every wedding has moments. And what I realized was like, for Kat and I, this this is something we had never done before. And there's a million firsts. It's extremely stressful. There's a lot of pressure on this event. And you were like guiding us and like, just just guiding us at every step of the way and you knew what we were about to be feeling so it'd be like the moment (laughs) before the rehearsal dinner and you just like pull us aside be like okay you're gonna want to feel like you need to talk to everyone you're not gonna be able to you're gonna you're gonna say hello you're gonna ask how they're doing you're gonna move on so you feel okay you're gonna spend time with your friends when you need to you're gonna step back and be with each other when you need to we're like
1: okay (laughs) whatever you say sean it really is um and it's funny actually because um before this conversation, I was uh, just making notes of sort of things that uh, quickly came to mind. And one of them was that it it is having uh, always been interested in um, psychology and studying it. It's, it really is something that I apply constantly during weddings, because I kind of have to, it's like, I don't know, a lightning round of Mm -hmm. therapy. It's like, I get one day with people to figure out their defense mechanisms understand them (laughs) break them down and learn how to work within them because in the end if they don't look happy they're not going to like the photos yeah and so my job is to prevent the things that are going to make them stressed uh stop the things that are stressing them like I really have to super quickly analyze those things and it's really taught me how to kind of pick out people's defense mechanisms Mm -hmm. and um I don't know. It's sort of like not speaking in uh, French or something and then moving to France and you quickly learn the words that are very important. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it's sort of that same thing where you get like this short little time to understand someone's language and understand what they're trying to say to you with uh, you know, their body language and things like that. Um, totally. So that's it's a very good uh, analogy. You,
0: You were, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of adapting that you have to do in the course of, A wedding weekend it's I don't know there's so many moving parts and coming into it um, a lot of people are really really stressed and you could be one of those you could become one of those stressed out people but you don't Um, I want to step back for a second and um, someday I'll get good at at giving proper introductions to my guests but let, (laughs) let me let you give us a little background on like even just how you got into photography when did you what was your first wedding shoot like like Do you have any flops you could tell us about?
1: Yeah. So um, I started. um, I feel like every time I tell this story, this number becomes like exponentially larger. Sure. Um, But I started like 15 years ago. um, My now wife, then just friend, um, her boss was getting married. She just worked at like a retail store. And Mm -hmm. um, her boss was like, Listen, I don't have any money, but you guys seem artsy. If I pay for the (laughs) film, will you just shoot my wedding? And I was like, sure. Um, perfect. which is really, you'll start to notice a trend of <laughs> naively thinking I can just do it. Uh, it's been a recurring theme in my life. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so it went great. There was like a beautiful couple. It was outdoors. There was like goats. It was beautiful weather. Everything was perfect. And so the photos turned out pretty well and she was really happy with them. And I thought I should do this. I could make a living out of this. And so then I booked another one, uh, like six months later and it went, horrible horrible (laughs) because now it was indoors and i was like oh i suddenly don't know how to shoot indoors that's an entirely different experience and it was like i didn't understand the cameras i was way out of my league and it just by the end i didn't even i just gave them all the negatives like three months later and i was (laughs) like i i I just i'm done i'm sorry i can't i was the wrong person for this job so after did they pay uh, you for that one i mean They did, but I lost quite a bit of money because I shot so much film. And it was all film. Yeah, it was all film. My first couple were all film Um, because, I I mean, A, it was 15 years ago. And B, when you don't know anything about photography, film is much easier because you can just put it on auto and someone else will develop it and they give you a print. Like, you don't have to do much. You just have to press the shutter. Um, So after the first two, I thought, okay, well, Maybe I'll give it a rest for a while. Um, and then I sort of just went into other avenues of life and uh, went to college. And um, I ended up working at a newspaper as a photographer. And that was a super, super big learning experience for me and um, kind of falling in love with the process of capturing real moments and mm-hmm. trying to sort of figure out what makes a moment interesting photogenically. Um, and it was just this incredible learning experience of figuring out how to connect with people and how to build trust with people. And by the uh, by the time I left there, I felt like, okay, well, now I can do this. And so I started kind of dipping my toes back in, um, and it was now suddenly a little easier, and I had been in really intense situations where, you know, when, when photojournalism, you have to just be able to shoot in the moment and know that you're getting it, and that sort of intense learning experience um, was very beneficial for me. And so eventually I started doing more and more weddings and it kind of just became like this um, much easier transition. So I started a long time ago, quit for a while and then came back to it with much more knowledge.
0: You, um, I have like fears for you even when you're shooting our wedding. First of all, that you would drop one or like all three of your cameras into the ocean but you have it, them like holstered in all these really elaborate ways. <laughs> and I just trust him like, well, he it seems like he's got it. He doesn't seem afraid.
1: You know, it's again, the recurring <laughs> theme of just naively assuming it will all work out. That'd um, be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile I've, you know, those holsters have failed me before and I've dropped cameras during shoots. And, um, I was like on a mountain in Mexico at like this incredibly beautiful wedding. And I, I, put my camera in my holster and it wasn't all the way in and it fell shattered into a million pieces. And that was like my main camera. I was like, okay, well, here we go. I guess I got to work with what I have now. Um, but it's, I don't know my, my whole approach to everything I do is, well, something might go wrong, but if you constantly worry about what might go wrong, you're never going to succeed. So I just keep pushing through. And, um, it's funny, actually, when I worked at that newspaper, there's, there was kind of a tradition that anytime someone would leave, they would stand up on this specific desk and they would give like a speech and they would, you know, um, and so often people would come in and say like, you know, I was really nervous when I first started here and I felt like everyone was better than me and then you all helped me out. Um, and my speech was, well... When I started here, I really thought I was better than most of you. And then you quickly <laughs> taught me that I wasn't. And I quickly learned that uh, my my naive confidence in myself um, was not warranted. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's been a lot of uh, just trusting that I'm good enough and that things will happen if I just keep going forward. And it's worked so far.
0: I actually think that's a great mentality for... Um for all business owners, there's a lot of like, I, I, I don't know, there's there's a lot that can and will go wrong, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. things that will break. And especially when you're dealing with humans, um, things are going to happen. People are going to have feelings. We deal with people with difficult feelings. And um, I don't know. And you just, you, you can't prevent everything that's that's going to go wrong, right? But having that mentality is like, such a big part of being able to persevere or working through those moments. If you did like after that first or after that second shoot, if you were to just be like, I suck at this, I'll never do this again. Like I can't tolerate things not going perfectly every time. Then, then you, you wouldn't be where you are today.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, and I don't even, it was never really even a conscious choice. I think it was just, um, it's kind of been my whole, way that's my whole walk through life like I never studied for tests in school I would just go to class listen and then take a test I'm like okay I gotta be that's fine you're the
0: worst dude I sat beside you in high school (laughs) Kenny Kenny Haran out there dude such a pain in my ass
1: um yeah and I, I don't know it didn't it didn't build great habits in me and so now my my whole career after that has been sort of forcing myself to have good habits because I never was the person that had them to begin with um, and that's been, that's probably the, been the biggest struggle for me as a business owner is just, you can't just cut corners and you can't just not study for the test. You have to do all those things and you have to be the, the student that you never were.
0: Totally. There's, uh, there's kind of two things I want to ask you about. One is kind of how did you develop your brand and how do you continue to develop your brand and differentiate yourself and what is, 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 uh, inevitably, a pretty saturated market, right? It, se- it seems like people, even you know, since since Kat and I went through our search process to find a photographer, ev- everyone's becoming a wedding photographer now. <laughs> and yeah. Part of that, like, like, part of that might be have a lot to do with technology and the evolution of digital cameras. Or there's probably like an iPhone wedding photographer out there that's like, I will take all of your wedding photos on my iPhone, and it'll be yeah. trendy somehow. Like. They will only be posted yeah. to Instagram, but in in <laughs> in a saturated market, like how did you start to develop this brand of yours, and how do you continue to differentiate yourself? And then the next part, I also want to hear about like this kind of customer experience, this customer um, journey that you kind of take people through uh, during the course of, of working with them. So let's talk about so, your brand first.
1: The brand thing is, um, it's interesting because when you first start it's like you don't really have a direction or at least I'm speaking more personally. I didn't really have a direction. I just liked the experience of taking a picture that I thought was really beautiful. Yeah. And then I sort of learned to love the experience of connecting with a person when I was working at the newspaper and sort of attaching those things. Um, but when I really started to do weddings in earnest, uh, it kind of, Again, without even really thinking about it, it, it just stemmed from two things. A, a fear that it wasn't gonna succeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um I sort of started with just work so much harder than you think you need to. Because that's great. Not a lot of people do this for a living. And if you're really gonna do it, you can't just kinda do it. You've gotta really do it. Um and so that really was like a uh, a really motivating factor to determine how I interacted with clients and what my brand was, mm-hmm. um, and it's really kind of it sort of has stayed that way for a while, um, even to this day. My my whole business model is built around making sure that the client is 100% taken care of first, and I'm taken care of second, which you know, I don't know if it's the right way to do it. Um, but I think in a saturated market and just in anything, I I've always felt like you can't start by worrying about the money. Mm-hmm. You have to start by worrying about the client and the money will happen. Like I always told myself that again, I don't know why I didn't go to business school. I went Dude, like, that's brilliant. That, it was just a, a thought that I always had that it, if you worry about like, Oh, should I, I need to charge a little more for this and a little more for this. Like, if I was a salesman about it, I was never going to succeed because people can just see right through it. And that's kind of the other thing that um, determined what my brand was in a lot of ways. It's, it's so much about that experience. And so a lot of photographers will sort of start with, you know, how do other photographers charge? And so they'll start based on just what someone else does Instead of what their end goal is or what the result they're trying to achieve is. So where most photographers will do like, well, we can do six hours, eight hours, or 10 hours. And if you want another photographer there, it's this much. And everything is this process of trying to convince someone to spend more on each item. And I just felt like from the outset, that was a terrible way to interact with a client because they're hiring me for something they've never been through before. And so I'm telling them, totally. I'm relying on you to make the right choices, even though you've never done it. And I have, like I would, I would, and cause I, when I started out, I did have moments where I would do packages or hourly, and I would just watch people make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And I would have to try and convince them like, well, I think you should do this. But now they're like, is he trying to sell me on something or is he nice. being honest with me? And so my business was really just, Okay. I'm not going to do hourly. I'm not going to I'm just going to start by including everything I think people would want, like everything I would want if I got married tomorrow. And so that's been such 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 a big part of my brand is even though it's a very visual world and there's a big visual element to it, I had to start with sort of being the client and not thinking of it as a business person trying to start a business, but instead as a potential client, what would I want? What are the things that would make me feel more at ease? And so if I if I included everything that I felt like they needed in order to be taken care of, then I just felt like people will appreciate it. They will feel taken care of. They will trust me. It will build these long-term relationships. And, you know, people will see my hard work on the wedding day and they will hire me for their weddings. Like, it was that's just such a big part of it, even to this day, is that that interaction. Because you know I'm with people so long on their wedding days, you know, ten to fifteen hours, um, like they're going to see me for longer than they see their uh, bride or groom. Yeah. So I it has to be so much about that experience. Um, so in in a lot of ways, that's the biggest element of my brand that i continue to really stick to is making sure that that experience stays there um
0: i can't tell you how wonderful of a parallel this is to therapists (laughs) (laughs) because (laughs) most therapists i think if you were to ask us about our brand we would talk about things like well my logo is pink and purple and my this and that and i'm I'm trained in cbt and dbt and act and mindfulness and all these things we just go you know that's that's how we primarily think about our business and our brand is, is um, let me describe all the features of me and why I'm the best. And if you were to come out the gate and do that, even in developing um, your business, you would lose people, right? Mm-hmm. You'd lose people right away. So I feel like that you, you, you started by thinking about what do clients want, but also I feel like you thought about problems in your industry. Um, Cause that's, that was another thing that we realized in this process was, I, I mean, it's like one of those things you, I, I don't know. It's like when you make a big purchase and then the, the company is like, um, I don't know. It's, people don't like being nickeled and dimed for things. Mm-hmm. Right. So the perfect example was actually um, separate from you. So we had a separate videographer and on the wedding night um, they had like reached their hourly limit in the middle of the like yeah, reception this. and they come yeah. up and they're like, um, excuse me, we're at the, you know, 7.5 hours and they are actually about four minutes over. And it's like, what the hell is your problem? We don't want to be hearing about that. Like just, just do it or don't bother me or just leave. It was just like the worst kind of moment of like, we've paid you this money. It's a significant, you know, you're a significant part of the day. It's a significant investment in are nickeling and diming people over half an hour when you're already there. You're already yeah. there. And that's one thing I loved about you. It was like, you're, you were there, and you were fully there. It wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna, you're going to go sit in your your hotel and only show up for those 6 hours and start your stopwatch, which is how I think a lot of you know, people people mm-hmm. would do it. Um, I agree, and yeah. I feel
1: like that's um that is very it's very common. Um and it always just frustrates me because I feel like my whole process even like in interacting with clients and just in my process on the wedding day and like in the specifics of how I shoot is eliminating the things that aren't helping me achieve my goal. So, like, hourly limits, they stand in my way of achieving my goal. And um, even in, like, the technical aspects of how I shoot, I I make everything super, super simple. Like, one camera, one lens. My settings are all pretty much automatic, so I don't have to think about those, and I can just focus on the moment in front of me. I think my I really try and streamline everything so that all of the – potentially distracting nonsense doesn't get in the way. Um, and it's funny actually, as you were saying that, I realized that, uh, I think at the heart of what I'm ever trying to do and the heart of my branding and kind of my like guiding light, as I say it to, um, to clients sometimes, my guiding light is authenticity. And so I feel like when, as soon as they feel like I'm selling to them, it's no longer authentic. Our interaction is not authentic. Um, And even in how I shoot and sort of the other element of my brand is the, the visual aspect of just how the photos look, um, how the website looks. And even then I want it, I want the way that it feels in the photos and in the website and every part of the interaction is that I want it to just feel authentic because I think people really respond to that. And at least I really respond to that. And as soon as I can tell that someone is being false it's like I'm instantly out of it totally um so I think even visually like there's a recurring um style right now that um it's kind of like you can either be bright and airy or right. dark and moody right. those are kind of like the two worlds of uh <laughs> photography right now and you know people will say like oh you're so you're more like the bright and airy kind of guy and I'm like well Kind of, but not because I think it should be bright and airy just because that's the trend. Um, It's like I want the end result to be light and warm and like it should reflect the emotions that you want to feel when you look back on your photos. Mm -hmm. And I think when people take that sort of dark and moody approach, it just doesn't, that's not how I want to feel about my wedding day. I don't want to look back on it and feel like, oh, it was a sullen morose day like it should feel I don't know sort of uh impossibly perfect and uh like it should it should have that um I don't know an air of of warmth to it um so even then in terms of branding I think it starts with like what is your guiding light what are you trying to Mm -hmm. create what what emotions are you trying to create in the client and I think maybe that's what it really comes down to.
0: So if, if, if a, a, a new potential client reaches out and asks you, like, what's your style, do you go into describing it? Or how do you kind of answer that question?
1: Um, it's a tricky question, actually. When people ask that, I'm never... Because I think sometimes people have different ideas of what they're expecting. Yeah, they're mostly, say, not, I'm like,
0: they're mostly not photographers.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, is there like a list of categories that I should be picking from? Um, so I, I tend to tell them that I'm... i start from a place of that I want everything to feel real and natural and authentic um, and sort of starting there Um, and also the other part of my style is that I um, when I was working in a newspaper I really wanted everything to be pretty but it kind of couldn't be like photojournalism is very rarely pretty it's usually kind of messy and dirty and uh mm, it, it always kind there, of yeah. bothered me yeah mm-hmm. so like you could tell beautiful stories but the images themselves tended not to be as beautiful um and then I moved into sort of like portraiture and I could make everything beautiful but they weren't meaningful and they weren't like real emotional moments it was kind of like you could get one or the other um and so I think my style in terms of how I approach that is that I want to combine those things where I want it to be visually appealing because it's such a visual medium but then also the visual appeal all just comes back to that i want it to feel warm and nostalgic like i want it to elicit an emotion in the client
0: totally there's um in terms of actually guiding the process once you're there once you're once you're shooting um again i'm i'm like very um Uh, I'm very tickled as my mother would say about all the parallels (laughs) between what you do and what therapists do. I'm uh, it's, like just i'm tickled by that as well and i'm 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 glad
1: not to not to name drop but i'm glad that vicky feels that way good good yeah
0: you've you're like my family are like raving fans for life and actually even though you mentioned before the show you don't have a lot of recurring customers you did after our wedding shoot that's true um for my sister and her husband and and their little boy so um what was i gonna say so i i had headshots done um maybe a year ago or so, and it's, it's a tricky thing, I think, for therapists, um, it was for, it was some of it's for my therapy practice, some of it was just kind of for my personal brand, and something that struck me was, um, there's this balance between being directive and being kind of non-directive, right, and again, this is the exact same for therapists, we, this is a big question, in the philosophy of, like, how do you guide people in therapy, do clients know how to use therapy, or do we need to show them to some extent, right? Some people mm-hmm. are way on the non-directive end, which that come in, they go, just do whatever you want, client. just sit there and be with your feelings, and I'll just sit here and be with my feelings. And yeah. that works for some, but then other people leave therapy and they go, well, that wasn't helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really expensive. Um, yeah. Other therapists are overly directive and they're overly rigid, right? So I think most therapists will agree um, it's both and, it's not either or, it's both in. Mm -hmm. But I had this, I had my own experience getting headshots where I actually wanted more direction. I was working with this photographer, and I'd be standing there doing weird poses that i am like this is gonna look weird but i don't know what else to do with my weird body and uh <laughs> and he'd be like just do whatever man just do whatever just do whatever and then sure enough like yes some of the photos turned out really well but then others i'm like crossing my arms like this <laughs> under my armpits and i have my thumbs up and of course cat yeah. cat sees these photos and she's like you look like you're giving two thumbs up under your, <laughs> coming out of your armpits. Uh, yeah. And like, there's no way to crop those thumbs out now. And it's otherwise a really good photo. So then we go back and I'm like, okay, I actually needed more direction. I was asking, cause it's like, this is not the kind of thing I do every day. So you yeah. need some level of direction, but also you don't want to get people feeling like, oh, I'm not good at this or I can never, you know, Sean's asking me to do this like pirouette and I can't, I can't quite yeah. do that. <laughs> so how, how do you strike that balance with, um, you know, again, given that people, um, often they don't know how to, how to pose. And you also are, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with, um, the stress that they're already bringing into the day, to the moment, to their in-laws, whatever.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's always the in-laws. Um, I think the key is that in that example where someone, where a photographer doesn't know how to pose you, that's because they're uncomfortable with it too, they're uncomfortable with posing themselves, and so they're uncomfortable with posing you. It is it is their own discomfort and emotional struggle with it that creates a difficulty in them being able to tell you what to do because they haven't battled that themselves. Like, they haven't mm. figured that out and conquered that themselves. And I feel like that's probably true with a lot of therapists as oh, well. It absolutely is. Um, uh, as someone who studied therapy and has been to therapy, I think the you as the, as the sort of person in the position of power trying to guide someone through something, mm-hmm. if you're not entirely comfortable with it, you either, A, have to work and work and work to become comfortable with it so that you can guide them without your own neuroses guiding it. Totally. Um, <clears throat> or you have to be upfront about your own discomfort. Right. So sometimes if I'm posing people and I know that maybe this is going to push them a little outside their comfort zone, and I also don't know if it's going to work, I'll tell them, all right, I've never tried this before. This might fail. Let's see what this does. And now they're, I've set up a situation where the expectation is not, oh no, this is a crazy thing. Like if I just, if I didn't say that, and I was like, okay, I need you to like touch the back of your head in a sexy way. And yeah. they're like, oh, oh, like they would <laughs> shut down because they feel like, they're, they're gonna fail and I've, I'm there to take their picture and they, they feel like they need to succeed. So if I start by creating a different um, expectation for how it's gonna go and I say, I don't know if this is gonna work but I wanna try it. Now we're, now we're experimenting together. We're winning or failing together. Um, and so I think it's really, it all has to come down to your own level of comfort with it. Um, because I, I just have to imagine as a therapist, if you have a really hard time when someone brings up like grandparents and your own emotions about that are going to get tied into it, you, <laughs> you either have to tell them that or you've got to work out what those things are for yourself no before you start guiding people through it because your comfort level has to be there first and then the rest of it will be easy. If you're never comfortable with it, no, they will never be comfortable with it.
0: Dude, you need to, you need to get your therapy degree. Just, I, <laughs> just do it or just get like a fake one and open up shop. Yeah.
1: I mean, I honestly, I feel like uh, in my, in my life, I tend to be that person for a lot of my friends and family anyway. Um, so, you know, the, the day will come when, uh, when weddings are just, uh, too physically demanding and I'll just become a, a therapist. Like I've always wanted to,
0: I th- or you could blend the two roles, which I, I honestly think you already do just without. Yeah. I was license. like,
1: I think that's what I do. Yeah, uh, cause there's, there's shit
0: they- that goes wrong at every most wedding days and you're, you're right in there. It's like, you can't, you're so in there that you can't just step out. Like if there's a stressful moment or like someone's Mm -hmm. upset, someone's crying, you can't just be like, I'm just going to fade out and not capture this. Like you're already in there. (laughs) And, uh, so you don't, you definitely don't shy away from that part.
1: God, the parallels are so funny because it really is this, like, you know, someone, a new client walks in, you have no idea what you're about to walk into. you're like, They could give me some intense stuff that I don't know how to deal with right now, or this could be the easiest client ever. I don't know. And so you have to just kind of walk in, like just let you just have to let it all hit you and see where it takes you and just know that you can conquer it and sort of have that naive confidence that no matter what comes up, you can kind of help guide them through it. Well, the other um,
0: wild card that, that we don't have to deal with in therapy, for the most part, is that um, your clients are, are a lot of times uh, just shit faced drunk. That, <laughs> it's, <laughs> or it's <a> you, know, <laughs> t- so, you know, in many situations. So you've got yeah. not only feelings, the pressure mounting that they just plan for a year and a half for this big, expensive event. Um, mm-hmm. And then you throw alcohol into the mix.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which. Oh, Lord. At least on the wedding day, I can know how to handle it. When they get really drunk the day before and they're hungover on the wedding day, I'm like, you've given me a broken product to work with in the beginning here. Yeah. This is unfair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the drinking thing did is funny. a lot funny of sunglasses
0: because, uh, looks that day.
1: <laughs> honestly, so I'm not going to name any names, but I just had a client that was um, uh, very hungover and was throwing up all morning, Perfect. the morning of their wedding. Um, and so in all the pictures, he kind of looks like, just pallid and like, oh, like not really <laughs> prepared to be photographed and i'm like we'll see how these go hopefully i can hopefully i can post production yeah yeah <laughs> uh, but it is funny because um, that is another part of uh the guiding people through the emotional process is that they know at the end they can just drink and yeah. the stress of the day will go away <laughs> but then i know they're not going to be happy about that either yeah like, yeah uh, and so I'm always carrying around water bottles. Like I'm always getting fresh water bottles from the bar. Yeah. And like, you have your my holster. job is really to keep the bride and groom as hydrated as possible because they, they get a little self-destructive yeah. uh, at some point in the day. And so I have to be like, drink more water. Maybe take an aspirin. Like I really have to, <laughs> have to help them along <laughs> uh, and not be so self-destructive.
0: I love it. So many moving parts, man. What um, we got a couple of minutes left here, but what did we miss? Is there anything else like? you know, things that you wish you knew, things that you, if there was something you could tell every, every small business owner, what would you tell them?
1: Um, You know, I've, um, I listened to the podcast and I know this is something you guys have talked about in the past, but it really is amazing to talk about pricing. Mm -hmm. And I think especially, I mean, any small business owner, even as naively confident as I was, I still, anytime someone would be like, oh, you should raise your rates. I'm like, nah like (laughs) the, the fear of that is so real. Um, and my dad always told me, he, he used to run a gift shop up North in Michigan. And, uh, he used to say, you know, if I had a shirt that wouldn't sell, I would lower the price and lower the price and lower the price and it would never sell. He's like, so one day I just doubled the price and they all sold out immediately. And he would tell me that every day of my life. Um, And I never really listened to him. And then the second you raise your rates and you realize that your business gets better because of it and your client interactions get better because of it and clients respect your work more because of it, like it's really, really shocking. And even now I struggle with it. Like I continue to think, oh, I should raise my rates again. And I'm like, nope, don't do that. Like that voice is never really gone. But I think just understanding you have to value what you do And I mean, maybe every podcast about small business ever, that that could be maybe the first episode because it's so classically a problem that every small business owner has. But um, the thing that I learned is that it's not just raise your rates for your sake, it's raise your rates for their sake as well. Like, they feel more well taken care of. Uh, The cost is also the value. And so if they spend more on it and the photos are equally great, they love the photos more. Like it is raising your rates as a way of kind of taking care of your clients. Um, And I imagine that has to go with therapy as well, because if I'm paying someone $10 an hour to tell them my problems, I don't care about the results.
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) But if I'm really investing in it, it's now an investment of my time, energy, and money. And now I care about the results. I'm, I'm emotionally invested as well as financially invested, and it's just, I, it's such a constant lesson that I learn every few months. Um, so that you know, I'm not breaking any new ground there, but it's it's just so real, um, and I think it's just the number one thing that every small business owner has to continue to contend with.
0: Well, my, dude, I'm again, I'm tickled. This is the second time I've been tickled on, <laughs> on this, this this episode. <laughs> Because and my, my audience is probably tickled or at least giggling, um, both are appropriate. Because you like, you're just you're making me so happy right now. This is something I talk <laughs> about a lot. It's it's a big industry problem in the way we undervalue ourselves. Um, and when, when we undervalue ourselves, guess what? People undervalue mental health. They undervalue. The value of therapy um, yeah it's a big problem and we keep ourselves um, restricted we keep ourselves limited we don't raise our rates because we look to our, our left and to our right and see that our neighbors rates are still only a hundred dollars a session or whatever and we think well i can't raise anything above that and we mm-hmm. have to break through those barriers because because uh, we also have to take care of ourselves um but yeah i mean you you nailed it all those reasons so 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 true and just so poignant for, um, for therapists in particular. So, um, I feel like therapists and wedding photographers need to hang out more often.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It turns out, or, uh, (laughs) wedding photographers need to go to school for therapy first (laughs) and then become, uh, photographers and, uh, maybe they will be that much more, uh, that much better at it, which is a real problem for, uh, for photographers. Most photographers are introverted, uncomfortable people. And so, they create introverted, uncomfortable work. Uh, so I think for maybe, maybe that's the other thing for every small business owner is your emotions will get in the way. If you don't deal with them first, they are the thing that will tank your business.
0: 100%. Dude, you, you crushed it. This is just just so great. You have no idea. I was super
1: nervous coming in. I'm going to freeze up and go on some weird long tangent, which I probably did once or twice there, but I uh, I appreciate
0: that. First podcast uh, interview in the bag for you. You're going to be doing them every weekend now.
1: Let me know. I'm happy to, I, you know, with naive confidence comes wanting to just talk about yourself all day like, maybe that's just narcissism though uh, we uh, have
0: to have an ounce of it i mean the first episode of this entire show was about narcissism embracing your inner narcissist and putting and taking uh using video to promote your, to promote your practice i can't even talk um <laughs> but yeah there's there's an ounce of that that we have to have in order to um promote ourselves and sell ourselves because We have to believe we have something valuable to offer. We have to believe it's worth, it's worth what it's worth and that it's going to change people's lives. If you don't believe that your business is not going to go very far. You can, you can, you know, fiddle with all these other parts of your business, your marketing, your website and all this stuff. But like, if you don't believe in yourself and and the thing you're providing and that it's, it's important for people's Mm -hmm. lives, it's going to go nowhere. It all starts with that, you, you know, your belief in your product. And for us, our product is, is us. You know, yeah, our product is yeah. ourselves. And that's, and that's also what makes it hard for business owners to separate from their product and to look at it objectively and go, what am I selling here? What's the customer experience like? Kind of step back a little bit, um, and think more objectively about it because it's so close to home. Um, well oh man, this has just been so much fun and, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to have you on again. I'm just going to have yeah, to do, do <laughs> I, I do
1: feel like I had a bunch of other notes, but I'm like, none of it seems entirely relevant now after <laughs> that. Um, but yeah, let me know, man. I, I'm absolutely happy to come back. Awesome.
0: Well, Sean, um, how can people get in touch with you? Um, what's what's the best way for people to find you? And we'll put these any links in the show notes as well, of course.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, one of the things I was going to chat about, maybe that'll be another topic another time, is um, Instagram is king for... Uh, anyone in a visual medium. Sure. Uh so I mean I have a website, find me on there. It's Seancook dot com. S E A N C O O K Weddings with an S dot com. Um but really it's all about Instagram at mm-hmm. Sean Cook Weddings. Um that is uh that's where I'm constantly updating things and that's where sort of I exist. The yeah. um it's a big platform, the website is yeah. more like a book and the uh Instagram is more like where I live. So yeah much more totally. fresh and
0: current. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun to talk about Instagram next time. Cause there's a lot that you can, um, a lot that you've done with that. So, um, well, there you have it folks. So seancookweddings.com. We'll put the link in the show notes and, um, and then also we'll put a link to his Instagram. Sean, thanks again, man. This is a lot of fun and, um, uh, I'll see you soon.
1: Awesome, man. Thanks.
0: Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Like I mentioned toward the beginning, private practice can be tough, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, If you're interested in working with me, head to thejohnclark.com and click on work with me to apply. Again, thejohnclark.com and click on work with me to apply. Hope you have a great week. See you soon.